Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Fan Junkies Radio. I am your host, Jonathan Ragus. Alongside me, as always, Mike McShay. Mike, what's going on, man? Uh, just uh, sitting back, getting ready for the 4th of July weekend festivities. It's going to be a fun one. And before we get started, we have to wish everybody a safe, happy 4th of July. Do not blow off any fingers if you're going to be lighting <laughs> fireworks. Yeah, really, really. Absolutely. I saw that happen many times, and it's not a good sight. Yeah, unfortunately, I have as well. Yeah. Uh, I was close to one, too. Uh, but... Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, a long weekend. I mean, really, when you think of it, 4th of July, kind of nice coming in here on a Thursday, and then, you know, almost everybody's going to have a four-day weekend. So it's, yeah, uh, a lot of people nice, thinking on Fridays. Yeah, nice nice timing this uh, this time. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, before we do that, remember, tomorrow, no sports blogger radio because of the 4th of July holiday. Scott and John, they want to enjoy themselves, and I don't blame them, so... Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, everybody else getting a four-day holiday, but uh, we won't, right? No, we won't, because we'll be here Friday. We'll be here Friday, and then I'll be here Saturday. Right? You'll be here Saturday. And then soon, we'll be here Sunday. Why? Because we're going to be doing our own video show between you, me, and John Leary of Sports Blogger Radio, and we're going to have a little bit of a contest here. We want people to help us name the show, and it's going to be a little bit of a sports roundtable. We're going to debut it sometime in August. And uh, it's either going to be with Google Hangouts, uploaded to YouTube, or on Spreecast.com. And guess what? Send us your name. You can call in today at 347-237-5373 and give us a name if you like. And if we choose your name, we'll give you a shout-out on our first episode. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun one. Also, debuting right, right after the All-Star break, In the Dirt with Tanya Mercado of City Field of Dreams.com, Mike McShane and myself. A little bit of a baseball show we're going to do on Tuesday nights, Mike. Mm-hmm. You looking forward to that one? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Baseball. I'm, I'm good with that. Awesome. I'm also, we got we, we have to throw out some props to Tanya Mercado because she put up a video yesterday, Mike, talking about Craig Carton from Boomer and Carton, WFAN up in New York. Carton blasted Zach Wheeler a little bit, calling Zach Wheeler possibly the biggest bust in Mets history. The guy only started three games, Mike. <laughs> and Tanya took it upon herself to call out Craig Carton a little bit. And... Our good friend over at Ranger Nation, Mike Boomer Esiason, found Tanya's blog and video and talked about it today on WFAN. Very good. So, uh, you know, great, great blog, com. But also, if you agree or don't agree, is Zach Wheeler the biggest bust in, bust in the Mets, Mets history after only starting three games, go over to com and let Tanya know what you think because – I think Craig Carton's pretty stupid for even saying that. So, a little premature, I would say. Uh, a, a little bit, just a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, I can believe that. The guy only started three games, Mike. That uh, he's one and two. Well, look, Jonathan, you and I both know there are an awful lot of people out here in this business that all they want to do is hear themselves talk. Yeah, well, that and you know, you know, I guess they want to rustle people up a little bit, get a little bit of. Uh, oh yeah, particularly if it's sports radio, right? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. We have to be incendiary to get uh, to get people to light up the uh, board. I'm glad we don't do that. So, 
All right, man, let's get into a little bit of baseball talk. Uh, first, got to congratulate Cincinnati Reds pitcher Homer Bailey last night for throwing a no-hitter. Nine innings, one base on bowls, Mike. Nine strikeouts could have been a perfect game if he didn't get that one walk. Amazing. Right. right. And that came late in the game. I mean, he had himself a perfect game going, actually, right before that. Yeah, it does. Um, also, if I read correctly... Homer Bailey was the last pitcher to throw a no-hitter in 2012, but the first in 2013? Mm-hmm. If that's true, that's pretty damn cool. Well, uh, um, okay, I, I'm sorry. I missed I missed exactly what you said there. But uh, he uh, is the first since 1974-75 when Nolan Ryan went back-to-back. Ah. That's what uh, – I think that's perhaps maybe what the uh, – uh, what the reference is? It, there's, in other words, there's been no no hitter. There's been no, yeah, no no hitter. There's been no no hitter back to back by the same pitcher since 1974 and 75. The last no hitter in Major League Baseball was last, I believe, uh, it was either August or September when Homer Bailey threw the last one in Major League Baseball. So he had the last one. He's got the current one, and that's the first time since Nolan Ryan did it in 1974 and 75. Yeah. And he's got two no-hitters with the worst career ERA at 4.36. Yep. Um, like I uh, jumped up a little bit to uh, baseball. Today in sports, because uh, we can't uh, forget that. Yeah, today in sports. Actually, it, it, interesting, you know, we're talking about pitchers, and we're talking about unusual things that happen with pitchers. In 1966, Atlanta Braves' Co- uh, Tony Cloninger became the first National League pitcher to hit two grand slams in one game. Ooh. In one game, you know that's 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 almost improbable for a big league hitter to do, let alone a pitcher. Well, that's got to be like the thing to do. So I, you know, that that is just to me. Talk about improbables. Well, there you go. There's a pitching improbable for you. I like that one. And what date was that? 1966. 1966. No, I was not there. You sure? I'm positive. Well, you were there for that Max Flack trade, right, during the doubleheader in 1922? <laughs> I wish we had that on the soundboard. That would be great. Okay. That one I remember. Yes, I remember that one. <laughs> you were there, right, during that doubleheader? Yes, actually, it was my former self. Oh, it was your former self. That's you in a previous life, right? Correct. correct. There you go. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was a dog, and I heard, you know, heard it over the radio. <laughs> a dog? <laughs> Oh, you were a bird on the field that day. That's what it was. Oh, man. I, I saw the whole thing. I had a bird's eye view of it. All right. Let's uh, <laughs> let's stick with the baseball talk here. Mike, you know I'm not a fan of Jonathan Papelbon. I think he's a uh, pompous moron. Yeah. And uh, he made some comments saying that it would be an absolute joke if Yasiel Puig would be named to the All-Star game. Um, I just don't like Papelbon. Anything that comes out of his mouth just seems – pompous to me. I, I just don't like him. I, I I don't like when he speaks. He looks like a moron. He speaks like a moron, so it's got to be a moron, right? Um, <laughs> let me read his quotes here. To me, it's an absolute joke. It's really kind of stupid, if you ask me. Uh, the guy's just got a month. I don't even think he's got a month in the big leagues, and just comparing him to this and that and saying he's going to make the all-star team, that's a joke to me. It's just really what happens in baseball, when to me, it really does an injustice to the veteran players that have been in the game for eight, nine, ten plus years. And it kind of does them an injustice because they've worked so hard to stay there. End quote. Uh, kind of, you know, a few other people looking into it said it kind of, you know, kind of sounds like a little bit of jealousy. Mike, you don't agree with that? What do you think he was coming out trying to say? I don't think. No, I, I, I absolutely don't think it was jealousy at all. Uh, 
you know, look, he was asked a question and he gave his opinion. And as I pointed out pre-show, he's not slamming Quigg for his play. He's talking about the consistency or lack thereof of standards. Okay. You know, what gets somebody into the All-Star game? What makes an All-Star? Mm-hmm. What is the definition of a baseball All-Star? And how does that standard apply to actual admittance to the All-Star game? Mm-hmm. And, and I understand in some respects what he's saying. Is a month a long enough period of time to ordain one an All-Star? Mm-hmm. And I, I might agree with him. I don't know if that's enough. There's not enough of a body of work there. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand that. I mean, you know, now, of course, I, you know, I'm waiting because there could be a number of people that could slam me and say, well, what the hell are you talking about? There are no standards for All-Star. I mean, let's take a look at it. Major League Baseball makes sure that there is a representative from every single team. Yeah. And by virtue of doing that alone, they're actually diluting the standard that I'm asking for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think making sure that there's one for every single team is stupid to begin with. Yeah. I think that's a stupid rule. But – I understand what he was trying to say. Look, I agree with you, Jonathan. Papelbon can be acerbic. Yeah. Uh, his tenor, his tone, uh, you know, I don't think his accent helps. Uh, no, seriously. <laughs> I, I think that that is a turnoff to some people. Uh, so did he say it in the right way? No. But in concept, in theory, I understand what he was trying to say. I think I understand. But now here's where I come, where he's talking about a player being up a month, and even though he's a position player, he's now played almost the same amount of games that Papelbon has played this season himself. Mm -hmm. So the comparison between a pitcher saying an outfielder shouldn't be in the All-Star game is one thing. Second of all, I don't even think two and a half months is enough to tell people you're an All-Star. I I like your thinking. Okay, so the Major League Baseball All-Star game has been a joke for years now, Mike. And that goes with every other professional sport league as well. I think the Pro Bowl has been a joke since probably before time. Yeah, really. The NBA All-Star Game has been a joke, I'm, I'm going to say, probably since around 2000, 2001. Agreed. And the NHL All-Star Game has been a joke for about probably 10 to 15 years now. Right. I think the All-Star Game should be played after the season, when you can actually see who would be an All-Star. Because let me tell you, there are a lot of players that have a better second half than a first half. That puts them over some of the players that have been in the All-Star game. Right. So I think it should be played after the season. I don't think it should be played during the season, number one. Um, Number two, also, John Leary from Sports Blogger Radio said, well, uh, he didn't seem to have a problem, Jonathan Papelbon, when his ex-teammate Dustin Pejora made it to the All-Star game after about a month and a half. So there you go. I didn't know about that, but that's – but that's good information from Well, the, if you put this game if you put this game at the end of the season, aren't we potentially inviting the same kinds of problems and mistakes that the NFL has made for decades now with the Pro Bowl? No. No, I you know, I think it's a little bit different with baseball. I mean, you get to the end of the season for God's sake, Jonathan, we're we're we're, we're you're talking the beginning of November. Yeah. Well, who who's playing baseball at the beginning you, you, you think the All-Stars are going to want to, what, go down to Florida to play a, uh, a, a game in Florida? Yeah, well, you know, in November? It's just baseball. Listen, I think the Pro Bowl is a joke only because you can't play football at the Pro Bowl. You can play baseball at the All-Star game. You can. It doesn't matter. It could be in California. It could be in Florida. Why not? Being a traditionalist, um, 
the All Star Game has always been at midseason. Yeah, and sure. I would, I would, I would not want to see it change. No, I, I, it, it, I understand what you're saying. You know, you're you're saying, you know, you have a full year's worth of of uh, statistics. You'd have a full year's worth of play. Well, you, you know, you, you could do it the same way. You just go from last season at this point until this season at this point. Yeah. So you look at somebody's uh, body of work over. You can still look at it over a full body uh, over a full year. You just go. It crosses over two seasons. That's all. Okay, so then, okay, all right. So then, why don't they just vote off of the previous season? Well, you could do that too. Why not? You could do that as well. Why not? You know. Uh, I mean, listen. If you put the All Star game, if if you leave it in the middle of the year, or you put it at the end of the season, in 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 a, in a, in a warmer climate, Florida, California, whatever, you can still play for home field advantage. I mean, it's still going to be a competitive game. The, I mean, the All Star ballots. Start showing up and coming out. Don't they come out like the be- end of April? Uh, when it comes right down to it, you well, could just simply use last year's uh, 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 performance. But now think about that. Look at when the ballots come out for all these All Star games. People are voting on players who number one aren't even playing yet, who could possibly be injured, coming off of injuries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Number two, based on just a few weeks of play. True. I mean, isn't that the same thing right there? I mean, listen, if if an injured Derek Jeter can make the All-Star game, why can't a month of Yasiel Puig be put in the All-Star game? Well, that's why I'm saying I'm wondering I'm wondering whether, in fact, you know, I don't know who determines the All-Star ballot. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's some sort of a committee for making the fans? <laughs> but, the fans, which I think is another freaking joke. My guess is, yeah, but who actually comes up with the initial ballot that the fans then vote oh, on? There's always names missing on the ballot. Oh, obviously, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I mean, but sorry, but every single player in the league should be on that ballot. It shouldn't just be just the the, the top names of the league. There should be. Listen, let me ask you this: uh, when the ballot came out, was now he's nine and one because the Mets beat him last night? But was Patrick Corbin even on the ballot? I doubt it very much. No, I doubt it. Honestly, was even Matt Harvey on it? I, who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know whether Matt Harvey was on it. Or yeah, not. I mean, I would love to see who exactly was on the ballot and who wasn't, especially the players who weren't that are blowing up right now. Well, the pitchers, the pitchers are chosen by the uh, manager anyhow. Yeah, well, that's true. I forgot about that. So, so that's you know the, the the pitching issue is kind of tossed out the window, but you know, obviously, I, I, see that's why I'm thinking that. To have that All Star ballot come out, as I pointed out, I think it, I think you actually started hearing about it by about the end of April, maybe the very beginning of May. There has to be some consideration given to what the performance was of all of those candidates going back to last season. They can't just base it upon four weeks worth of uh, of, of activity. No, they have to have been looking at at some of the performance from the previous year. Yeah, all right. Look at this now. I'm looking at the ballot right now. Right. All right. I'm going to base this off of the New York Mets alone because I'm a New York Mets fan, and I already looked at it. Kirk Newen, I said Mike Baxter are on the ballot. Mike Baxter played like 45 games, which is only about 12 more games than Yasiel Puig is playing right now. So if Mets fans took up a thing, oh, let's get Mike Baxter because we've seen a lot of other teams do it, Mike. Let's just stuff the ballot boxes and get this player in. Why? Because we want him in to be a starter. Right. Mets fans can turn around and do it to Mike Baxter. He can make the All-Star game easily. Doesn't mean he deserves to be there. Oh, I, I, I agree. I you mean, know? we go through this every year. Yeah. I mean, look, 
the, you know, when all is said and done, and I think the voting on the the fan voting on the ballot, I think ends tomorrow evening. Yeah. Um. And, and when the final results come out, there's always going to be disgruntlement. Mm-hmm. Always. You know, there's going to be some people that are going to say so and so should have gotten in. Oh, how can you slide this one over here? That guy shouldn't be in here. I mean, you're always going to have that. There's, yeah. There's no way around that. That's yeah. always going to happen. Well, let me ask you this: Is two and a half months of voting is that too much? Because I think it is. I think having a ballot open at, in April and it vote and it ending on July fourth, I think that's too much time for people to vote. I would agree with you. Now, I, I think that it was probably designed that way initially because it was designed that way in the pre-internet days. Yeah. You know when you would go to the you would go to the ballpark and you're sitting there and you had the punch tab. Yeah. You know, and you're and you're punching out the the, the little perforated holes. You know, in the name of the person that you wanted, and you're dropping it in a ballot box in the stadium. Yeah. So, you know, in that particular case. Yeah, but now it's I, all counted I mean, digitally now. Exactly. I mean, come now on. It's, yeah. all, it's all internet driven. So I honestly think two weeks is enough. Internet driven, and 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 it, I think it also raises the, uh, you know, it increases and enhances the the ballot box stuffing thing. Yeah. You know, listen, I've well, had, I've that you can vote up to 25 times. Exactly. I, I, I think that's pretty nuts. I think it's stupid. I, I think it's very stupid. Vote 25 times now. Okay, Mike, you and I being in sports media, we both have probably about a dozen email addresses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, 25 times times 12, you know, do yeah. the math. You, you, you're right. Exactly. Okay, so now I can vote for Mike Baxter all 25 times. Seriously. Time, time Times the number of times the number of email addresses you have. Exactly. And I'm sure, you know what? There are a lot of people that vote that make fake email addresses that Absolutely. use print email addresses. It happens. I I just think it, it, it. You know, they need to go around doing this differently because number one, I think the old game is a joke anyway. So. Well, as Jonathan Papelbon said. Yeah. It's I, really I, kind of stupid. Well, it, well, he's saying <laughs> if he thinks it's a joke. He's not saying it's a joke, right? Because he said, "Oh, that's you know, oh, they want to be in the All Star game." I'm sorry, but. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people, who, players, who get selected to the All-Star game and they say, oh, crap, I don't want to play because I want to spend some time with my family. Well, that's yeah, right. And, I, and, and well, with all the respect. All-Star game anymore like it was years ago when it was a prestigious thing. I, 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 I wouldn't paint with a broad brush. I'm sure that there are a lot of people that still consider it. A I'm lot sure of players that still consider it. Also a lot of people who don't consider it. You know, there's been a lot of players who dropped out of the All Star game just because, oh, you know, I, you know, I want to save my arm for the rest of the season. Well, it's not a prestigious thing anymore. Uh, I, I, from a fan, from a fan perspective, I still feel, and and I, you know, I'm going to throw it out there: three four seven two three seven five three seven three. I'd love to hear from people with regard to everything we're talking about with this All Star game. You know, number one is Papabom right on? Is he is he wrong for his comments or is he spot on right? You know, but also, I think from a fan perspective, the baseball All Star Game still has prestige, and I still think that it it it, it gains a lot of attraction from the fan base. I think it lost whatever prestige it had when Bud Selig threw it in the extra innings. That goes to show you what kind of prestige the game has. I, I yeah, but what I mean, it's that's. Prior to prior to you know we've we've made the All Star Game relevant. Now I'm not necessarily in agreement that I like it all the time, 
but there's relevance to the All-Star game. Oh, well, yeah, now there is because of the home home field advantage to it. Correct. But I'm sorry, but I think that's a joke that you have to use an All-Star game to determine home field advantage. I have never liked that. I think that is the dumbest thing in professional sports. That seriously, a team could go into the World Series, Mike, uh, a first-place team and still not have home field advantage because the NL or the AL lost in the All-Star game. I, I think it's dumb. Uh, yeah. I think it's dumb. Uh. I think it's stupid. You know, but that's just me. That's my opinion. So. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a baseball uh, purist to that extent, and I'm okay with the All Star Game. I, I like it a lot. Pure Mike, and that's what we're going to get into right now. What's that? I said not even the players, and not even the umpires appear anymore. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Now, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna run around this one again. Yeah, absolutely. First, before we get into the old biogenesis thing, we have to say that MLB umpire Brian Runge was fired for violating the MLB's drug policy. Yeah, can you imagine? There you go. I mean, not even the umpires are uh, <laughs> are pure anymore in the sport wow. of ball. Yeah, that, that, uh, but that, go, that's a real black eye. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. But there you go. It goes to show you. Not only is the MLB All-Star game a joke, Major League Baseball is a joke. Um, but let's get into this now. Porter Fisher, Mike, the guy who has the documents, the ex-employee of the Biogenesis Clinic, uh, supposedly sat down with them yesterday. Right. We were talking about it. For stuff, and they're going to meet again. Um, he's basically holding these uh, documents for a seven-figure check. He's asking for a million dollars from the players. For the documents, Mike, uh, basically holding these documents hostage. So my question to you now is, if Porter Fisher gets the million dollars from, let's say, Alex Rodriguez's camp or Ryan Braun's camp or whoever else is involved, these documents go to them. They're destroyed. What happens next? Dear God, I mean, I, you know, I brought it up and brought it up and brought it up, and we're going to go back to it. And, you know, can, can you imagine the cojones of this guy? I mean, seriously, Porter Fisher is a whore. <laughs> this guy is a scumbag piece of dirt, all right, that he is going to sit there and publicly come out and say, you know, anybody that wants to give me a million dollars and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the documents. I, I, it, is, it is disgusting. And Major League Baseball getting into bed with this guy, this is going to be a big, big problem. Because any attorney with any ounce of, of, of knowledge is going to know that the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go right to this man's character and credibility. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I would do. I'd put that guy on the stand, and I would I would absolutely question his character and credibility. Mm-hmm. And, and and Major League Baseball is opening opening the door for their own credibility to be questioned. Yeah, it, this is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, it, it is. I mean, come on. A million dollars. So he's going around now asking for a million dollars, and you know he asked Major League Baseball for a million dollars. Sure, yeah. You want it, you can have it. Pay up. Um, now, like you said, this isn't going to end well. With, 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 if, if Major League Baseball is going to start paying for documents and start paying off the snitches, it's not going to end well if it goes to court. No. No, it's not. This because thing, they're paying for their evidence. Exactly. This yeah. thing is going to get very, very, very protracted. Yeah. Now, and let me ask you this. Does Porter Fisher have a better chance of getting his million dollars from the players or a million dollars from Major League Baseball? Well, I'll tell you. If you can get the million dollars from the players, that's how you'd want to do it, and I'll tell you why. That way, then, there's no court case at all. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. You got, you got Alex Rodriguez. You got uh, Brian, Brian Braun, Francisco Cervelli. Uh, Nelson Cruz, whatever. These guys could chip in and afford a million dollars easily. Easily. 
You think that's what they're talking about right now? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Agents calling agents, lawyers calling lawyers. Come on. Well, it'll be a subunion. It'll be a subunion of the players' union. Yeah. Of these guys that get together and approach uh, Porter Fisher uh, and say, "Yeah, we've all chipped in." You know, listen, you can figure out the math on it. You know, we had said what, Jonathan? We've heard the number it could be as high as fifty. Now, now, now they're saying a hundred. Well, hey, take a million dollars, divide it by a hundred, and you're in good shape. No, hundred. Uh, it, wait, wait, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, uh, the, the, okay. In which the league would acquire the drug purchasing records of more than 100 MLB players, so it's more than 100. <laughs> so, I mean, seriously, with 100 players on it, you got to think that there's going to be some big names on there, uh, other than the ones that we know of already. Oh yeah, it's got to be. Absolutely, it's got to be. It's not going to be all minor league players and players coming over from Venezuela and Dominican Republic and stuff. Nope. There's gonna be some big names on there besides A Rod, Nelson Cruz, um, Ryan Braun, and others. I mean, it's gotta be. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Man, I I I really hope somebody turns around and just ain't to say it, but pays this guy and gets the doctors before MLB and the players could even get their hands on it. Yeah, you know. Because I think that's the only way that these documents are gonna be safeguarded. I I just don't have a good feeling about the way Major League Baseball is dealing with this. No. And, and I'm I'm really, really concerned. As much as I would love to know, I'd love to get to the end of it, and I'd like to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to, Jonathan, because I, I'm really, really afraid that Major League Baseball is just going to screw this up. Not even that, man. I mean, honestly, and I, and I hate to say it, and I know it sounds, you know, sort of like a uh, Ocean's Eleven type, you know, movie, action movie, but the longer this guy holds on to the record, something's going to end up happening to this guy. Oh, boy. You know, there's going to be somebody that's going to want to keep this stuff hush-hush and are, are not going to want to pay. I mean, this guy's asking for a million dollars. I like he's asking for 15 grand. 15 grand, I think he would have had already. Documents would have been to somebody's, you know, in, in somebody's possession and possibly burned already. I mean... This is a guy who's asking for a million dollars who has documents that could and I hate you know I hate to say it, Mike but could potentially destroy baseball for good if it comes out. Yeah, and, I mean you're talking about 100 plus players. Let let me throw this other possibility out there as well. Uh Porter Fisher doing this. Is is that uh, blackmail? Is that extortion? Of course it is. Well, you know, that's a criminal offense, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And he's going public with his extortion? Well, I, he's not going public about it. I mean, this is being reported that, you know, it came out that this is what he's asking for. Let me tell you where – MLB and the players are not going to turn around and file anything against Porter Fisher because he's got something that's so damaging to the sport and to these players' lives and existence. You got it. That they're not even going to think about going against this guy because who knows if there's copies – who knows if he has friends holding on to these documents and family? Who knows if they're hidden somewhere or something happens to them? They're, they're going to get blasted out to media outlets. Who knows what could happen, you know? So I just don't see it happening, Mike. But, I mean, a million dollars for these documents that are so damaging, I mean, you would have to think eventually somebody's going to turn around and pay it because the players want it, MLB wants it, and you know the media wants it. So who's going to pay it first? Well, and it's as you just pointed out, it's a very payable amount. Oh, Considering yeah. the names of the people that we're talking about, yeah. it's a very payable amount. Yeah. 
John Lehrer think- from Sports Blogger Radio says, he goes, you know what, that's pretty lame. I would ask for $100 million because he potentially has the Major League Players Association by the cojones. So. Absolutely, and in fact, I was just going to go there. Yeah. You know, I think I think Porter Fisher actually is coming is going a little bit cheap on this one. Yeah. Uh, you know, as as we just pointed out, that you know, more than a hundred names on there, it'd be very easy for those hundred guys to get together and to divvy up a million dollars to come up with. Yeah. Very easy. So why not make it? Why not make it a million dollars for each name? Oh, why not? Sources close to the investigation tells us that the MLB has yet to make an uh, an official offer for the goods, but <laughs> as it stands, Fisher won't settle for less than a million. Keywords here, Mike: official offer. Yeah, yeah. Well, this so you is, know, some numbers have been floated around. This has become a bidding war. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. And and, and it, it's, it's the whole thing is gross. Yeah. It's got a slimy, uh, uh, uh just a back, uh, a back street type of feel to it. All yeah. of it. It's not going to end good, let me tell you. It's not. It's not. Um, I don't know if it's not going to end good for the players. It's not going to end good for the sport. But it's not going to end good for anybody. I don't think in the end. So, Listen, while we're um, talking performance enhancement drugs, I posted that picture uh, from the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum. Yes. On your, on your uh, Facebook page uh, last evening. Yes, you did. And uh, I thought we'd jump into it since we are talking about performance enhancement drugs real quick. Uh, interesting, when I was going through the museum, and there are three floors to the museum. Mm-hmm. The first floor is the Hall of Fame, and then the two floors above it are memorabilia and artifacts, etc., uh, of which you saw many of the pictures that I took. Very good pictures, by the way. Uh, thank you. The, on each floor, it is there is a posting on each floor uh, that... Big bold letters at the top, performance enhancing drugs, PEDs. Mm-hmm. And the notice reads in total, mm-hmm. quote, in documenting baseball history, the use of performance enhancing drugs, PEDs, cannot be ignored. Although a complete list of players who have been, who have uh, used banned substances throughout time may never be known. In this museum, you will find artifacts, images, and stories of players who have either admitted to or have been suspected of using banned substances, even though you will uh, you will uh, not always find specific references to this issue, this museum is committed to telling the story of PEDs within the game's historical context. <laughs> you know, Jonathan, when I saw that, and I had Amazing. to take a picture of it, uh, and again, that notice appears on all three floors as you enter the different exhibits. Amazing. As I read that, I didn't quite know how to react to it. I honestly, man, it's like you're about to down a full bottle of aspirin, and this is the warning label on it. Yeah, I mean, this is almost like a, it's almost like a disclaimer, isn't it? it? It is. It's you know they're trying to say, well, you know what, we want to keep our artifacts here of guys like Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire, but we're going to warn you about it first, and we're going to tell you the story about it because we want to keep them. We don't want to get them out of there. Because I'm sorry, but you know what? How many people used to go to Cooperstown just to see the Barry Bonds asterisk bowl? Yeah, really. You know. I I was I was I was a uh, you know I read it and I stepped back from it and I kind of thought about it and I went you know something I don't know if I like the tenor of this. I you should I you shouldn't I'm gonna say um, I wouldn't. So. I mean, to me, it was a, it, it's almost like a contradiction, yeah. and I found almost the phrasing of the disclaimer to be somewhat contradictory. Yeah. 
It is. I, I don't know. It is. I, I, I mean, seriously, man, did you ever think you're going to walk into Cooperstown and see a warning label up in every exhibit talking about PEDs? Well, and you know, what a sad commentary. You know, what, what a sad, sad commentary, you know, when you're walking into – and, you know, it, it was funny, Jonathan, because when you walk into the main hall down on the first floor where all the plaques are, mm-hmm. and I've yet to get the pictures up. I got pictures of, all, uh, of many, many, many of the plaques, which I, I have to get posted up, but – when you walk in there, I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm there with Sidekick, and we walked into this big, enormous, long room, you know, and they've got these cutouts where all the plaques are hanging, dating back to 1936, which was the first class coming forward. Yeah. You walk into this big room, high ceilings on it, you know, beautiful wall, you know, just everything's like this, this, this light paneling, and you see all these plaques everywhere. I said, to, I said, Sidekick, it's like walking into, it's like walking into church. No. So here you've got this very reverent type of situation down there on the first floor, yet it's all been kind of tainted by these disclaimers that are posted all over the place. You know? Ugh. That's insane. It's crazy. But I got to ask you, did you end up putting a Fred House sticker on uh, Joe DiMaggio's battle with? No, no. I, no. <laughs> I was tempted. I was tempted. Did Sidekick crack the glass and wear somebody's jersey? No, no, no. no did he put his Aaron Hernandez jersey in one of the cases? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Real quick, I gotta. I, I want to throw this one at you because, it, it, again, it kind of ties in with PEDs. Mm. Uh, Chris Davis. Yes. Chris Davis, Baltimore Orioles, right yeah. now, uh, leading the majors and leading the American League with 31 home runs, 80 RBIs, uh, 329 batting average. Yeah. I've got his numbers up in front of me, dating back to 2008. And they're awful. <laughs> uh, you know, 2008 batting average 285, uh, 2009 284, yeah. 2010 279. Uh, last season with Baltimore, uh, ended the season playing 139 games, had 33 home runs, 85 RBIs. This guy has almost done in half a season what he did all of last yes. season. Yeah. Is this sending any alarms to you? Um. You know what? I, I'm not going to say yes or no. This is what the Texas Rangers expected from Chris Davis when they drafted him back in 06. Uh, they had a lot of high expectations for him. He showed a little bit of spurts, had a lot of injuries uh, in, in between 09 and uh, 2012. Uh, looked good last year, started to sputter at the end of the season uh, in the second half. Is just smoking hot right now, but this is where it goes back to it, Mike. With those documents... If somebody like Chris Davis is on it, with what he's doing right now in Major League Baseball, I mean, honestly, can they recover from it? Because they got so big when the whole Mark McGuire-Sosa home run battle was going on. Right. It came out to like that both of them were suspected of, uh, of using PEDs and had to go to Congress for it. And that damaged the game right there. Could they take another hit if one of the best players in the league happened to be on this list? You know, that's that's something I think about when I see this going on. Yeah, uh, we got into this. I got into this with a good friend of mine uh, when we went up to uh, uh, the uh, Hall of Fame the other day, uh, who's a Baltimore fan. And, uh, you you know, he said – I looked at it and I said, you know, what what about Davis? And he said, you know, all of us down here in Baltimore are just praying to God that there's nothing to it. Yeah. So, you know, even the folks in Baltimore, many of them who are diehard fans – uh, down there have uh, 
kind of raised the question. You know, could there be anything to it? Uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. I, I just, you know what, man? I guess you could say that about everybody who's playing great baseball right now because it's just it's always going to sit in the back of your mind. Sure, you know? but this one jumps out at you simply because it is so. You know, it's shades of Brady Anderson. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. On the same team too. Look at that. Exactly. All right, let's uh, jump into a little hockey. We got a little over twenty-three minutes left, Mike. Also, got an update here. A uh, a man police said that they were looking to interview for his connection with the uh, with Aaron, Aaron Hernandez and what and uh, some of the murder cases died in a car accident on Sunday. Wow, who is this? Uh, some guy who's supposedly married to his sister. I, I don't I don't know exactly who it is, but supposedly oh, his car left the air and hit a telephone pole. So. Wow, interesting stuff flying out of that case on a, on a, almost a daily basis, and now he's actually being linked to a 2007 murder case as well. Now they're looking into that. I know. Well, what did I read? I read uh, someplace that there are at this point right now they're dusting off a lot of unresolved cases to see whether there's any similarity in the uh, uh, mo's and and that sort of thing to see if there was any kind of connection whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, apparently there's a lot of unresolved cases that are being reopened. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep everybody posted on that as information comes through. So a little hockey, Mike. Your Philadelphia Flyers signed 33-year-old center Vincent LeCavillier yesterday. Right. Uh, five-year deal, $22.5 million, Mike. I said, wow, you know what? They got LeCavillier. Uh, great player. Um, hasn't been good as of late. But what I didn't like, Mike, the full no move clause. Mm-hmm. You don't have any compliance buyouts no more. Right. Here's a guy that's going to have a four point five million dollar cap hit now against your team. Right. Uh, what do you think about the deal? And uh, you know, what do you think about the no move uh, no move clause as well? All right. Uh, you know, I'm not opposed to uh, Le Cavalier coming to the Flyers. I'm not opposed to it. Uh, but I I question it. Yeah. I ask. Uh, you know, we, we, we just bought out Danny Breer. Mm-hmm. And when you take a look at the two players, they're very, very similar. Breer is two years older, uh, but has played 200 less games yeah. uh, than Le Cavalier has. Um, their production numbers are very, very similar. Obviously, uh, Le Cavalier's uh, numbers are, 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 are elevated because of the fact he's played 200 more games. Yeah. But they're really very, very similar um, in their proficiency. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm asking the question, so we buy out a 35-year-old to acquire a 33-year-old. Now, obviously, look, I, you know, before anybody wants to hit me over the head, I'm well aware of what this is all about. This was about getting basically the same kind of a player for $2 million less a year. That's what it was all about. I'm yeah. well aware of what the math was. Yeah. But I'm not sure that this is the way to go. See, my 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 big my big worry here is this is typical of the Flyers to just keep recycling older players, mm-hmm. and that's that's where I am with it. I'm not disappointed. I don't want anybody thinking that I hate the move. I I said just yesterday, I believe, Jonathan. I think I said right here on this show, the Cavaliers a, 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 would be a good acquisition for a lot of teams. Yeah, and you said you'd love to have them. You said yeah, on the team, so I just didn't expect it to be mine. 
And yeah. so now that he's here, I'm not sure that I like it. Yeah. Well, you know, especially on a you know, five-year deal for a Neil 34-year-old player with also a full no-move when you have no compliance buyouts no more, that's done. His contract is front-loaded. Um, most of the money will be will, – he'll, he'll be collecting most of that $24 million in the first three years. Yeah. Still, though, you know, here's a guy that's uh, – you know, he's been declining since around the 0-9-10 season. Still a very solid player. I'm not going to say he's not because he is. Right. He's still a very, very solid player. Um, he's making uh, $4.5 million uh, per season on the five seasons. I'm looking at his cap number right now, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes $6 million this season, $6 million the next, four point five in fifteen sixteen, and the final two seasons, $3 million uh, each, but all five seasons with a $4.5 million cap hit. Right. Yes, so, yes, you're right. You know, still a four point – I mean, if you look at it, a $4.5 million cap hit for a near 40-year-old player – uh, towards the fifteen sixteen season on down, you know what's 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 holding him up to you? You know what you, you you need a goalie and you need defense, but he goes out to go get almost uh, you know a bigger version of Danny Breer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. I I and you know this is where I'm I'm left. I hate it either because listen, if somehow the Rangers turned around and brought in Le Cavalier, um on a on a decent deal, I'd be in favor of it. If they sure. brought in a deal I I wasn't in favor of, then. You know what? You got your questions about it. So exactly, and see, that's exactly where I'm sitting as a Flyers fan. I'm sitting right exactly where you just described. Where I'm just kind of not sure. I'm not saying it's a horrible move. I'm not saying I'm really, really uh, that I that I really, really hate it. I'm not saying that at all. I like the Cavalier. All right, I always have. Uh, but is this what I want my team to be doing at this point right now? When, as you just pointed out. We've got many, many, many other issues that need to be addressed, uh, and I, for one, would like to see the team getting younger. Yeah. You know, I, I made the joke last night because we keep hearing, uh, with regard to uh, goaltenders, you know, the team is still not 100% set on Mason being the full-timer. You and I have talked about that. I agree. I think we still need something else. And the talk keeps coming up. Well, maybe the Flyers will acquire Tim Thomas. Well, Tim Thomas is 39 years old. My God, we're going to be the oldest team in the entire league. And hasn't played in the season. Yeah. Uh, You know, watch the Flyers go and and, and pull in a 39-year-old goaltender. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, crazy. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, Mike, votes came down. Glendale votes in favor of a new lease agreement for the Coyotes. They will be staying in Phoenix, but they will be rebranded. The Arizona Coyotes, like it's going to make a friggin' difference. Yeah, I was just going to say. Bad, 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 bad mistake by the NHL trying to keep the Coyotes and succeed in keeping the Coyotes in Phoenix. Mike, look for Seattle and Quebec to have expansion teams probably within the next two to three seasons. Well, where, where, where are they getting one from? Expansion. Listen, the last thing this, this, this league needs is expansion. Well, let me tell you, if they put teams in Seattle and Quebec... Those teams will make money. Now, it's up to the teams that aren't making money, Mike. What are they going to do with them? Now, do you put expansion teams in Seattle and Quebec, let them you know, bring some money back into the NHL, all while in the end trying to get rid of teams that aren't making money? Because I think they had a good shot here. With they the- had their chance. Uh, they had their chance right here. Exactly. They ruined it. Exactly. They, they could have had a team in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, they could have had it right now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, the last thing this league needs is more teams. 
Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I I don't care what anybody says. And you can tell me that Seattle and Quebec will make money. You're probably right. I'm sure they will. Yeah, they will. But you, we can't be. We can't have teams making money at the expense of you know the the New Jersey Devils and the Phoenix Coyotes and the and 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 the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. We can't well, have it. Let me tell you this, Mike. Not know if uh, not sure if you know it, but RSE, the Renaissance Entertainment Group, who bought the Phoenix Coyotes. They announced a partnership with Global Spectrum, who owns the Philadelphia Flyers, to help manage Jobbing.com Arena. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if they think that's going to help, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe they know something, but you don't. You can manage the arenas all you want. If, if people There's are coming in and the seats to manage, bingo. <laughs> who cares who manages it? I could have managed Jobbing.com Arena and did probably just as good a job as Global Spectrum is going to do because guess what? There's going to be nobody in the arena to manage. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we're, what we've diagnosed this as a as an arena management problem. Yeah. That's why people weren't coming to the to the to the uh, stadium. That's why, Jonathan. Yeah. It was an arena management problem. Oh, Come on. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! I just, I just don't get it. And, and you know, uh, wow. Let's rebrand it with a new name. Yeah. So instead of Phoenix, it's going to be Arizona. Yeah. Right. Like, that's going to, what, ingratiate the folks north? Nope. Oh, let's run down and see the, uh, let's run down and see the Arizona Coyotes, because they're our team now. I just, I... The I, mentality I've ever heard of in my entire life. I don't go, I don't know what's going on with Batman in the NHL, but... I've got no sympathy for them if this thing continues to, to die on the vine. Yeah, oh, because that's what's going to happen. All right, Mike, before we get into uh, Brian Cush's comments on J.J. Watt, let's just do this real quick, and then we can take a little time talking about the J.J. Watt story. <laughs> Manager Ginobili taking to Twitter today to announce that he has returned to the San Antonio Spurs for two more seasons, Mike. Also, I'm hearing that very good possibility that he signed for the veterans' minimum, if not very near the veterans' minimum. If he did, does this show how classy of a person Manager Ginobili is and, and, and a person who cares about his team? Well, what did I say pre-show? I said the guy, he's just a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the case. You know, particularly take the, taking the minimum, if that's, if that's really true, if that's the way it comes out. This guy is just a stand-up guy. Because you know he's going to have a very, very reduced role on the San Antonio Spurs next season. An extremely yes, reduced role, he will. what he had over the last few seasons. Yes, he will. Yeah. But, but uh, it, it's, it's obvious that the guy wants to play, that he's got the heart to play. And that he can, he has something to offer. Yes. You know, I was I was disappointed with his performance in the last couple of games of the finals. Uh, but look, we're talking. It was the last couple of games of the finals. Yeah. You know, the guy looked like, in some respects, he looked like he was just out of gas. Mm. He was. He was. Hey, listen, man, he's he's up there in years right now. Absolutely. And, uh, but he's still a very very good role player. And then you know, exactly. if, if if you let him play fifteen to twenty minutes a game. You can have an effective Manu Ginobili off the bench. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens. But that's twenty minutes. Twenty minutes might even be a lot, though, at this point. No, you know what? I think if they're going to limit guys like Amari Stoudemire and others who are getting up there in age and have injuries to around that fifteen to twenty minute mark, I think that would be perfect for a Manu Ginobili coming off the bench. But it depends on who they bring in, though, too, and who's going to break down the other teams while he's on the court. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, we did have a trade yesterday. We have so many rumors, Mike, coming out with this NBA offseason. I love it. I love it. Let me tell you. I love it. Uh, still waiting on word from uh, what my Knicks are going to be ending up doing, and I hope it's something good. But we did have a trade yesterday between the Los Angeles Clippers, 
the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Phoenix Suns. Eric Bledsoe and Karan Butler leave L.A. to go to the Phoenix Suns. Jared Dudley and J.J. Reddick go to the Los Angeles Clippers, and two second-round picks go to the Bucks. Mike, the Clippers, they have Chris Paul. He's staying now. Yep. They bring in a great shooter off the bench in J.J. Reddick, and they bring in another great shooter and also a little bit of a forward in Jared Dudley. Right now, Clippers are looking really good on paper. I was going to say, Clippers uh, Clippers uh, went into this offseason. They said, you know something? We're we're getting serious now. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what they're doing. They're, they lose, you know, Chris Paul. Yep. I mean, they're they're positioning themselves very quickly, very nicely. You know, we keep talking about um, you know how great Chris Paul is, and um, you, you know what he means to LA. But we gotta we, we gotta say this is that they have their best head coach. In the history of that team, since probably uh, I would say Jack Ramsey wow. back in the in the seventies. Wow! Um, you know Mike Dunleavy Senior. He he was there for so many years, um, but is his his win percentage is terrible. I think the best win percentage they have is Jack Ramsey back in seventy two to seventy six. He had a uh, four eighty two win percentage. Mike, how about that? How about that? Uh, Gene Chu was only was there for a couple of seasons as a four seventy six, so he was good. But Doc Rivers is going to be the best coach they they probably had since Jack Ramsey, no doubt about it. I mean, Jack, you know, Doc Rivers is a great coach. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, because, as I just said, they've got themselves positioned nicely. It looks like. Yeah, and you know what? I have, at least on paper, as you point out, I have to say this too. Um, Dennis Johnson, you know, would have been a you know, you know, a really really good head coach for them. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, he he passed away. Um, you know, well, they got rid of him in 2003, but, you know, he passed away right after that. So, right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, listen, you can't discount the fact of what Doc Rivers is going to bring to this Clippers team and what he's going to get out of players like Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and then now looking at Jared Dudley and J.J. Redick, they're going to be the best team in L.A., Mike. No doubt about it. Oh, I agree. No doubt about it is right. Now let's look at the NFL here, linebacker Brian Cush of the Houston Texans has turned around to say that uh, between J.J. Watt's ability and potential, he's probably either going to rival some of the game's greatest defensive all-time players, Mike, or possibly be the all-time best player. J.J. Watt, three years in the league, Mike. (laughs) I've probably seen the best of J.J. Watt this past season because you have to admit J.J. Watt was a beast this season. Yes, he was. Torn ligaments in his arm. And he still played just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. But is he going to rival some of the game's greatest, greatest players, or is he going to be the game's greatest player? He's only played two seasons, Mike. Uh. <laughs> oh, let's do this. Now, let's look at last year. For his first, I, I got the numbers here, yep. First year, 56 total tackles, five yep. and a half sacks, no fumbles, no defensive touchdowns, nothing. This past season, with torn ligaments in his arm, Mike, 81 total tackles, 81 total tackles, uh, 20 and a half sacks, Mike, four forced fumbles, 16 pass deflections. Uh-huh. He had a phenomenal season. No doubt about it. But do we take that one season now and say that he's going to rival such players as Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, Deacon Jones, you name the player, and can he rival them or be better than them? You know, we we started out the show today, and I made the comment that, you know, in, in sports talk, radio or TV, 
Jonathan, you and I both know that there are an awful lot of people out there that just like to hear themselves talk. Yeah. This is ludicrous. <laughs> okay? First of all, I'm not going to sit here and say J.J. Watt won't be, but aren't we Oops. just – here we go again. Aren't we just talking just a tad bit prematurely? Yeah. Um, His numbers, as you just – and I've got them in front of me as well. I've got his career numbers also for the past number of seasons now. Uh, there's nothing here that's jumping off the page at me. I mean yeah. – <laughs> yeah. no, Listen – Listen, if he turns around and has a and rings off six to seven to eight seasons of what he did last season, there's no doubt about it. He can rival some of the greatest players in the game. Yeah. But I'm not going to base it off of one season because we could take one season of any other player and say they're going to rival the best players of the game. Right. Hell, I mean, we could take rookies that haven't even played saying that. We could say Geno Smith is probably going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks in the game. Oh, it's easy to do, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, we could say that about anybody. But you know, you know, if I want the phone to ring, if I want the phone to ring here at the radio station, all I got to do is just, you know, come up with uh, the most outrageous uh, description I can possibly think of and put it out there over the airwaves. Yeah. That's all I got to do. You know, Mark no. Sanchez, Mark Sanchez will be a Hall of Famer. There, I said it, folks. Yeah. Three four seven two three seven five three seven three. What do you think? <laughs> well, here's the thing. <laughs> right, we spoke about this uh, about a couple of weeks ago. These bold statements that are coming out from these players. Well, the analysts aren't helping either now. But is it setting these players up for bigger foals? Because didn't we just have somebody saying that he was going to get 50 sacks next season? Oh, God. That was what's his name? Uh, I can't remember. I think he was from Seattle, but I could be wrong. 50 sacks. Yeah. Okay. Um, You know, and then we had uh, Matthias Kiwanuka. Yep. Come out. Uh, what was that? Last season, I believe it was, or the season before, saying that uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is 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 going to get thirty sacks this season? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, everybody wants to obliterate Michael Strahan's uh, twenty-two and a half sacks, but uh, really nobody's has come near it since. Right. So, I, I these bold statements. Do they have to stop? And number one, number two, these bold statements. Are they just setting these players up to you know be even bigger disappointments? Well, they're not going to stop. No. Okay. Uh, you know, you know that as well as I do. They're not going to stop. Um, in fact, if anything, it's only going to get worse because, uh, you know, we continue to have more and more and more outlets of quote unquote information out there, a la blog sites where people, uh, you know, get up in the morning and go, Hey, you know, it's a slow news day. There's really not much to write about. I think I'll put this out there. Yeah. Let me ask this guy something ridiculous. (laughs) Um, by the way, that was Greg Hardy of the Carolina Panthers who said he would have 50 sacks. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. That's his goal. Um, but all well, it's good that goal. Those statements, do they disrespect the game and some of the players of the past? Oh, that's a great point. That's a great point. I mean, you yeah, know. Saying, well, you know what? I can do 50 sacks. That means I'm better than everybody who already has the record. Well, by virtue of putting these comments out there. <laughs> excuse me. Cushing did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, looking over this, this piece that you sent to me, uh, Jonathan, this morning, uh, when we're making comparisons of a year and a half played by J.J. Watt to Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, and Deacon Jones, I think your question is valid. Are we, in fact, then disrespecting Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, and Deacon Jones? Yeah. I hate to say it, too, but, you know, I hate throwing them in there, but as a player, 
doesn't that disrespect guys like Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher as well that play the same position? Sure. I mean, because honestly, they're the best right now, you know? Or they were because they both retired, but right. they were the best. Um, I, I, you know, there, there's probably so many linebackers we could talk about that had better careers in two years or even, let's say, five years than J.J. Watt could possibly have. Right. And, and again, this is not to, you know, this is not to disrespect J.J. Watt. He had a terrific, terrific season last year. Uh, but, but, you know, you've got to, you just got to wait and see, is he going to do the same thing again this year, next year? Well, think about it. You got, you got Mike Singletary, you got... Junior Seau, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, what's his name, Ray Nitschke, right. uh, you know, Chuck Benarek from the Eagles, Mike, uh, Ted Hendricks. I mean, there's been so many linebackers that had just amazing careers. Mm-hmm. Amazing, 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 amazing careers. Do these bold statements disrespect those players? I, I kind of think they do. I think you make a very valid question, a very valid question, very valid point. You know, I, I mean, to say that J.J. Watt is going to rival Lawrence Taylor – I think it's a slap in the face to Lawrence Taylor. You know, let J.J. Watt play a handful of seasons first before you make a statement like that. So, mm-hmm. But now what does J.J. Watt think about it? Because he didn't make the comments Brian Cushing did. What do you think J.J. Watt is sitting? you think he's sitting there saying, oh, man, I, I, you know, I wish he never said that? Or what? You know what I mean? Well, now let me <clears throat> put yourself in J.J. Watt's position. Yeah. And I just sat here doing that as you asked the question. What would your reaction be? Mine would be one where I'm smiling like a Cheshire cat going, hey, look at there, man. Look at there. You know, come on. These guys, these guys have got an ego. Of course. Oh, I'm sure they do. But there's a lot of other guys, too. Like, like let's, say, let's take Matt Light because we spoke about Matt Light yesterday. Classy yeah. guy, quiet guy. If somebody came out and said, oh, he's, he's going to, you know, in, in his second year in the league, he's going to rival and be the, or, or be the best offensive tackle this game has ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I would be, you know, you know I, I wish he didn't say it because, you know what, if you have a brain – you're going to sit around and think, now, if I don't have a good season next year, that's just going to set people up for disappointment. Also, that's going to set people up to really criticize my game. So you uh, you think that uh, comments like this actually make J.J. Watt squirm? It you depends on what type of person J.J. Watt is, because unfortunately we don't know J.J. Watt personally. No, I, exactly. I know. We're trying yeah. to get into his head. Yeah. But I don't really think he's sitting there uh, feeling uh, the pressure. I don't think he's sitting there going, oh, man, this guy's looking up to me. I guess I better perform. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, we, I mean, listen, we know Brian Cushing has an ego. Oh, we yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We don't, we we don't know if JJ. I mean, you know, JJ Watt's uh, pretty active on the field. I'm sure he probably does have some type of an ego. But sure. you know, do you think it's floating through his head now? I I I kind of wish he never said that. You know, that's the tough. thing I'm thinking about. So yeah, tough to say. Maybe maybe we can reach out to JJ Watt and find out. Somebody came out when I was playing basketball, like I said, oh, wow, you know, Jonathan Raggis, he's going to probably, not, you know, score about 45 points. I'm going to be like, damn, I better do what I can to score 45 points tonight. I hear you. You know, if I don't, am I letting people down because this guy just came out to back me and said, I'm going to score 45 points tonight, you know? Right, right. So, it is what it is, but. Well, um, well, we should reach out to J.J. Watt and find out what he thinks. That's what we're going to do. Um, we will do that. Uh, also, well, that's it for today's show. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Also, remember, no sports blogger radio tomorrow night. It is the 4th of July. We want to wish everybody a very happy 4th of July. Enjoy it with your friends and family. Be safe. Barbecue. 
have some beers for us at Fan Junkies Radio because we're going to be having some beers for you tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for Mike McShane, I am Jonathan Ragus. We'll see you all Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time for Fan Junkies Radio. Enjoy your fourth tomorrow. Have a nice holiday.